everyone. This is Saturday Afternoon Fever, a book written by Matthew Hardy that is being read on the air. Uh, I'm Lawrence Mooney and this is Matthew Hardy. G'day. The byline of the book is... A footy fan's memoir of a life in the outer looking in. And we are up to uh, the end of Chapter 4, The Initiation. Now, uh, I don't know whether it was last episode or the episode before... In 1902, in a bike shop in Glen Ferry, next to Hawthorne in Melbourne, a man called Tom Finnegan started Melbourne Star Bicycles. It was what's an old man and called Tommy Tom Finnegan. Finnegan. He, he grew whiskers on, on his chin again. again. The wind came along and blew them in again. Poor, Poor old Tommy, Tommy Finnegan, Finnegan, begin again, begin again. <laughs> oh, the last one. I forgot the last one. Shit. Oh, <laughs> There's three hell. begin again. Yeah, I know. That is the... Poor old Tommy Finnegan, begin again, begin, begin again, begin again. Well, you've gone four there, yeah, I think. No, it's Finnegan, begin again. Again, begin again, begin again. Right. Who wrote the three, and why does it have to be three? It does have because, to be three because it's what they call a cycle, isn't it? And one side of the room starts. Ah, uh, yes. You know, they, like they, I've, row, I've, row, row your boat. That's right. I read a Stephen Fry. He's he's written a few, and they're all brilliant. There's obviously that's no news, but a book called Moab is my oh, wash pot. pot. I can't even remember what the origin of that title, weird title, is. Mm. Anyway, I'm sure it's you know there's a reason because he's Stephen Fry, but. Uh, I had a story about a kid, a mate of his called um, uh, Michael Carmichael, and he got his brain stuck in this loop because he he's, he said his mum at some point was telling him off. He was mucking around. She was going to take him to footy training or something or whatever, and she goes, uh, uh, Michael Carmichael, get in the car, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Fry basically had a brain freeze for like three hours. He didn't know when it began Michael and when it Car- ended. Michael, get in the car, Michael. Michael, yeah. Car- <laughs> Michael. get in the car, Michael. What a brilliant, what an incredible specific memory. That is And he wonderful. couldn't unlock his mind out of hearing I love on repeat. That wordplay and that kind of loopy rhyming or alliteration stuff. I just love it. Who invented the pack rack? That's one of my favourite phrases of all time, pack rack. Yeah, the pack rack to put your your, your school bag on, really. Yeah, a little additional sort of uh, spring-loaded uh, S- well, a spring loaded trap, like a mouse trap that you yeah. try to put your, I don't know, and you pull your it up footy and... or your school bag. It, it you, would, tr- you might try and encourage a girl, shopping. a girl with a freckle face from the local area. To sit on your pack rack for a dink. Back to the book. We rarely enjoyed ourselves, even when we won. This is because we cared so much that watching any match was murder even if we were five goals in front with five minutes remaining. Oh, it's such a stressful thing to do. I hate it for that. I hate it as much as I love it, especially as I get older. You go, why do I care? They don't even know me. They never will know me. I am letting my happiness be decided by a bunch of random 20-somethings yeah. playing a game that they love that I have no control over. It has massive effects on our emotion. So to any footballer that has played the game, you don't know our pain. Watching you smile and banter with the opposition after we've been defeated oh, is repulsive. It hurts. I don't want them to be mates. It's a disgrace. I don't want them to not care that they've just <laughs> embarrassed themselves and wasted my money no. and time. I would say I, I don't care whether they are your closest friends. Have some respect for the people in the stands and do not socialise after the game. In the old days, if two brothers played against each other in opposing teams, you could guarantee they'd be punching on all day. Yeah. Like brothers should. Yeah. <laughs>
as the rule book states. The prospect of losing yet another game was uppermost in our minds the entire time. Our grief at being beaten saw a spiral into deep depression, despite being beaten on a regular basis. Mum's approach to us returning home for dinner differed according to the outcome. A win would see her waiting outside in the declining light, waving a St Kilda scarf and shouting, What a bottler! We won! Then she'd serve us grilled cutlets and we'd chat about the game together. Mum and Dad were always delighted for us when we'd won. They seemed thrilled themselves. After all, with two fanatics in the house, they had little choice but to follow the Saints' fortunes themselves. And a victory could be relished only after the final siren had sounded. These evenings, however, were few and far between. A more common Saturday night search scenario would see us silently sloping inside from the train station, shattered by the sight of our team being hopelessly outplayed for the hundredth time. The idea of coming home in the twilight from the footy, it's a very potent memory for me. What did you watch on the tally? Well, the winners on ABC and all seven footy replay. And then after the footy, hey, hey, it's that day. Hey, hey, it's that day. Welcome to another two hours of Mac and Zadie Unpredictable Entertainment with Dax the Duck at the Dross on Hey, Hey, it's Saturday. Hey, it's Saturday. Hill Street Blues. Was that on a Saturday night? Dun, 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 dun. dun. Right. Remember, let's be careful out there. That's right. Hey, let's be careful out there. He died, that actual sergeant. The actor died on the job. When you say, when, define the phrase on the job. He was making love with ah, his lady. Right, because I thought and you might have meant whilst on set, no. delivering lines for the latest episode. You know that on the job means on the job. <laughs> it has no reference is to it, working in it, Australia. Is it antiquated, that phrase? Because on it reminds me of Richard Pryor's classic line about his father dying whilst enacting sexual activity. If I have to die, which I imagine I will, <laughs> I don't imagine it, I just know I'm going to have to. <laughs> I want to die like my father. My father died fucking. He did, man. He was 57. Woman was 18. He came and went at the same time. <laughs> and I think Billy Snedden. Sir uh, Billy Snedden, which uh, this, that gets related to at some point later in the book. That he yes. died in a South Melbourne knock shop. And uh, Whilst... the Truth newspaper Ran the headline, Billy dies on the job. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you've, uh, you've preceded an aspect of the book, but that's okay. And also, what's the phrase, uh, il flagrance or something? In, f- in flagrante. Yeah, who's he play for? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. I know. You sorry. can't lead me in. Sorry, but, <laughs> but what does in flagrante mean? It means on the job. I think it means in, on the job. In French? Um, or uh, Latin? In flagrante. You said that with Italian accent. Inf- That's influencing infl- the jury. Inflagrante. I'll, I'll have a look at Inflagrante. You get on with your reading and I'll no, listen. listen, we don't start Googling because we've lost interest and then I continue. No, I haven't lost How interest. How can any listeners want to pursue this project if, like, you don't want to? No, I'm going to drop the information in. How did people ever win arguments before Google? Like, it's annoying. My kids can be in the back of the car. They'll ask me a question. Mm. Some well, big people... question. Like, if, if Adam and Eve were the first people, then... Who was their mum and dad? Yeah. You go, I, I don't know. Have, have, have another lolly. You know, and that's not an appropriate answer. And then they'll go, give us your phone, Dad. I'm going to Google it. You go, no, I'm driving. I don't want you on the devices. And also, I don't want to be made a fool of. 
I'm your father. Can someone have some respect for me or think that I know more about something than they do? Or that I don't have to refer to? What did what? parents do in the old days? I think there was a TV commercial along those lines, isn't it, where the father just Yeah, bullshits. it was a great Telstra ad. Yeah. Dad, why did they build the Great Wall of China? That, that was during the time of Emperor Nazi Goring and uh, it was to keep the rabbits out. There's too many rabbits in China. Right, back to the book. Our family had a money-saving system wherever we wanted to lift home from a train station. We'd phone our house, let the phone ring three times and then hang up. Unless somebody answered, the call didn't cost a cent. Dad would wait for our code after each game and should somebody else ring at the same stage, he'd wait four or five rings before answering to make sure. Some days when St Kilda had been really, really badly whipped, Dad bypassed the whole procedure and was already there in the car as the train pulled in. Wow. There were times when we knew our side would not succeed, even before we surfaced on a Saturday morning. In 10 years of traipsing out to Windy Hill, for example, the home of your mob, mm. right, we'd never come close to winning. Essendon, the mighty bombers. Essendon always had the game tied up by quarter time. It rained all day, so we'd be drenched even if under shelter. The ground was not so named for nothing. Windy Hill. Yet we went along anyway and we stayed until the end every time. On these occasions, we could feel the cold cutting through our bones. Back at the house, we'd huddle in front of the heater while soup was made. Oh. Nothing is as warm as a win on a wet winter afternoon, but St Kilda supporters had to rug up on the regular. Why did we... You've got a smug look on your face there, being a Bomber supporter. Why did we, along with a few thousand other supporters, willingly suffer such anguish? Why did we never take one look out the window, one look at the selected sides, and sensibly just decide to stay home? Admittedly, there was a sense of pride involved. Following fearful thrashings in frightful conditions, friends never neglected to ask if we'd been to the game, even though they already knew the answer. And while I was aware they thought us insane, I imagine they also found our undying loyalty endearing. It is endearing. To be a committed loser or a lover of losers. Yeah, something bigger than that. Or a loved loser. But there is also something um, glorious and noble about being the constant vanquished, to being the underdog. Because, you know, no one, can, no one can spit on you. You're down so low, you're in pain, and it's delicious. It's a familiar emotion in the end. Right. Well, that's helped me save money on therapy. Don't worry, you bathe in it too. Back to the book. Oh, big suffering saint supporter. Possibly. I didn't intend it to be, but you've got to find you know something from nothing, right? Anyway, back to the book. I took satisfaction in knowing a surprise win by the Saints would make Simon and I the talking point of our friends and family. That really did occur. Sometimes people I knew who supported other sides would make excuses <laughs> for their inability or unwillingness to watch their team in action more often. Whenever somebody was going on about how great their team was on the weekend, I like to ask if they'd actually seen the game and then watch as they oh, attempted to yeah. avoid the question. Yeah. Snobbery. But yeah, it's, a, it's an inverted snobbery. Or this one. How many times did you go to the footy last year? <laughs> <laughs> that can hurt. As you hold up your card that's been clicked 22 yep. times. <laughs> With Melbourne being so football mad, some people foolishly felt guilty about not actively supporting their favourite side, as if not attending football matches was a sure sign of social ineptitude. Pretentiously, I used every opportunity to exploit these insecurities. Why should they have felt bad about having something better to do with their lives? Why would a sane person waste a wet winter weekend watching <laughs> sport when they 
they could be snuggled up at home with a bottle of scotch. I didn't know the answer to such questions. Bottle of scotch. (laughs) Why is that funny? Snuggled up. Yeah, because that's a that's a pretty heavy drinking if you're either in bed on a couch under a rug or curled up on a chair with a bottle of scotch, not a glass. How did you get through the pandemic? Right. (laughs) I didn't drink my way through it. I didn't know exactly. I didn't know the answer to such questions, but I enjoyed inducing such feelings of inferiority, if only because it levelled out my own lunacy. Looking back on those black days, I still find it difficult to understand exactly why the Saints were so often second-rate. Regulars, and now we're getting into deep footy stuff, like it or not, regulars in the Saints' side included Trevor Barker, Joffa Cunningham, Mm -hmm. Greg Burns and Robert Elphinstone. All all, good footballers. All of whom had been selected at some stage to represent Victoria in State of Origin games. The bearded Jeff Dunn, our number eight back pocket, twice won the best and fairest and cemented himself as one of the Big V's resident defenders. Geelong's Ian Nankervis playing almost permanently alongside him. You may remember Jeff Dunn. His jet black hair matched a beard, moustache and sideburns ensemble that appeared to be of one whole piece. Yes. Towards the end of Jeff Dunn's St Kilda career, he took to growing his hair longer, which made him look a bit like Peter, g'day, Russell, g'day, Clark. Where's the cheese? <laughs> Peter, g'day, Russell, g'day, Clark. Who I think might have been the first ever TV chef in Australia. Uh, uh, one of. I reckon I'll go for Margaret Fulton before Peter, g'day. Russell, g'day. <laughs> I bow down to Margaret Fulton, fair enough. Where's the cheese, we'd shout, as Peter, g'day, Russell, g'day, Clark would say, whenever Jeff Dunn got a kick. Where's the cheese, Pete? Because Peter Russell Clark was the, the ambassador, I suppose, for the cheese board, but he also did eggs as well. That's right. He was a slut, regards edibles. He would represent anyone if the price was right. I think he was um, also kind of one of our Keith Floyd's, a bit of a tippler who had a darker side. You know, he was smiling on the telly, but if you cut him off in traffic, you'd certainly get the bird in a mouthful from Peter. Well, G'day, think, Russell. <laughs> G'day, Clark. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Major Triple J DJ at some point stumbled across ABC uh, archive footage of Peter Russell Clark's um, uh, uh, outtakes for those egg ball oh, yeah. uh, commercials. And he had a potty mouth beyond belief. He was a real Kevin Rudd behind closed doors. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he, I don't think he swore in Mandarin. I think he swore at Mandarins. Hey, eh? look yeah. out. He was promoting fruit at some point, too. Back to the book. At times, I'm almost embarrassed by what remains in my memory. If I remove some of the irrelevant rubbish from my mind, there might be more room for matters of substance. I probably have a greater recollection of Jeff Dunn's handball champion achievements (laughs) on World of Sport on a Sunday afternoon than Jeff does himself. We're looking at uh, a photo of Phil Narkle with his helmet. Look at that. It's a whopper, isn't it? And boy. You know what it looks like? It looks like an air fryer. He looks. Like he's, he's put his face in the <laughs> hole that the slide-in tray from an, an air fryer goes. Or an old hairdryer from a 1970s salon. He looks like he's getting his perm done to go to the races. He should be, he should be like <laughs> flicking through a Cosmo magazine, flicking a cigarette. Wow. <laughs> Good on him. Phil. If the listeners can't see the picture, so let's move on. Back to the book. If the problem was a lack of key position players, then it should have been solved by the emergence of Tony Lockett at full forward and Danny Frawley at full back. Wow. So it can't have been that. Whatever the reasons, all I knew for sure was that whenever St Kilda won, it was treated by everybody as an upset, and that upset me. Again, 
your blessed life, your childhood. I know. That's why you're a very positive person. That's why you... Well, mainly, I you, mean... You, you look on the bright side. Yeah, but you do have dark moments. You know, cage, occasionally you tell a stranger to get fucked, but, you know, <laughs> I dare say it's justified. Not just strangers, sometimes great friends, as you know full well. <laughs> In fact, for a long time, and, and I loved it, your sign-off, uh, you know, where most people might write regards or all the best, your sign-off was get fucked, It was a, yeah, It was for a while. But, you know, yeah. there's that thing, okay, let me put this to you. And I, I liked that. It's like... Get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> which, which in a way is, is it's a it's a very freeing thing. Go and do whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. Go, go, go forth and multiply. Be free and live your own life. Mm. Right, let me. I'll run by some. I'll run by some scenarios, and you tell me the different ways in which you would say get fucked as the solitary response. All right, Mooney. I've just won first division in Tats Lotto. Get fucked, <laughs> <laughs> Mooney. I think I'm a chance. With El McPherson. Oh, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that 500 you owe me? Get fucked. <laughs> it's so perfect. We haven't prepared this. It's perfect. Uh, I'll stop on that because we can't get better. I am a classically trained actor. <laughs> you, you did repertory theatre, did you? Repertory theatre. How do you I say that? I toured with the Australian Shakespeare Company. They still speak of it down in, uh, in Mudgee. Neil Warrington. Neil Warrington would block you through a piece and he would tell you how many steps to take, then when to stop, when to say the line, which way to turn. It was... Micromanaging. Excruciating. And also it reminds me of, what's his name? Um... Uncle Monty in uh, With Nail and I, if you've seen that film, mm. in which uh, Uncle Monty speaks of um, uh, realising that uh, I shall never play the Dane, right? I woke As one, morn- some, one morning you wake up and you think, I'll never play the Dane. Yeah, and then he spoke about his, Matt, do you remember his agent? Raymond, I can't roll my R's. Can you roll your R's? Raymond Duck. Raymond yeah. Duck. Four floors up on the Charing Cross Road and never a job at the top of them. <laughs> I used to weep in butcher shops. <laughs> I'm preparing. <sighs> I intend to have you, boy, even if it means burglary. <laughs> what a glorious old queen. God bless him. I've watched uh, with Nail and I recently. If you haven't seen it, then sorry if we're going off in our little specific zone, but it's... it's oh. It really is worth a watch. I still love the film because of the cult nature of it and because of the, you know, it was a film very close to my heart. My brother took me, my eldest brother took me into the city to the Australia Twin Cinemas yes. in Collins Street Union. to see it. No, no, the Australia Twin. Oh, so I, the, what was the that? Greater Union was in Russell Street. Yep. It was just a, a cinema. Um, that was there for a while, and oh, if your brother takes you to a movie, you, yeah. you're going to love it. Whatever. So it is. he took me to see that. He also took me to see Being There. Oh, and with Peter case, Sellers. Yeah, Peter Sellers. He gave me my first copy of Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Um, you know, he kind of like. Why didn't he give you a Chinese burn like any other decent brother? I oh, don't worry, but he was also my protector against my right. next brother down. Yeah, but my protector and educator, and. Um, even he's a very modest, self-effacing man, and he's a teacher. Uh, and if I get a bit drunk or stoned and start reminiscing, and I tell you, you know, you took me to this and you've given me that, he goes, you've told me a million times, mate. Just 
let it go. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, he, he doesn't welcome your appreciation. No, he doesn't. He's like, yeah, well, do something for somebody else. Which you have done and still do. Mm. You're maybe, here now. Maybe it's the drunkenness that annoys him. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the, we're when the, you get emotional. We were at the family holiday house over the summer. Holiday house, and you reckon I've got, I've had the lucky life. Well, a holiday house. We couldn't afford a holiday. Holiday house, bloody hell. We couldn't afford it a does holiday. Belong to the whole family. Doesn't and matter. my parents bought a block at Safety Beach in the eighties, and then my mum, uh, the enterprising woman, she has transported a house. There was a house for demolition, and she got it chopped up, which is free from the builder. You just oh, have to get it? transported, yeah, because the builder's got to dem- demolish it. You save them nine grand by getting the house off the block. So opportunistic. By the way, I know some. I know a bloke who died at Safety Beach, which is ironic. That is ironic. How did he die? It must have been run over because you can't get caught in a rip. He drowned. That is almost impossible to do at Safety Beach because what's so named? Yeah, but it was named. Are you doubting? Are you doubt? Do you think he faked drowning? It wasn't Harold Holt. And maybe he put some rocks in his pockets like Virginia Woolf. I was about to say Virginia the... Woolf, and I didn't know whether my reference was correct. I was thinking of Nicole Kidman's big nose in whatever that film was. The hours. Yeah, it was too much of a fake big nose. I couldn't concentrate oh, on anything it else. It was rubbery as hell. Too. Oh, it was like I think at I think one that stage meant- a hand brushed it and it just went. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, appropriately named too. Was that the name of the movie or the duration they were referring <laughs> that was to? The review. <laughs> oh, this thing goes for hours. <laughs> right. So back to the book. That's right. And I was speaking about Shanna. As well, in the outer at Moorabbin, mm-hmm. who had a mouth like a fish, like a little slit that would flap open and shut when he spoke. But I'm going to move on to the next part of Chapter 4, The Initiation. Another bloke we nicknamed Beeper after the cartoon Telecom Owl. <laughs> <laughs> right? Didn't he have a little song about ringing STD? STD now, in certain nations, it's got a whole different meaning. It has. It's a sexually, sexually transmitted, transmitted disease. disease. But STD used to be, what did that stand for? It was like calling interstate after 6pm would be cheaper or something. Back to the book. One of VFA side Sandringham's more eccentric supporters also followed the Saints. Known simply as Zebra, which was Sandringham's emblem, he drank what must have been five cans a quarter. By quarter time, he would begin to sporadically utter the word Zebra in a gurgling, guttural, horror movie monster voice, taking around 30 seconds from the Z to the A. Thus. Wow. <laughs> he never said anything else to anybody. It bothered me somehow that this man's mother must have had many hopes and dreams for her baby son, mm. and yet here he was, 40 years on, known for shouting the name of a striped horse. And that concludes Chapter 4. I often think exactly the same thought about a mother's baby when I see a homeless person and think, you know, what was the path from that moment, you know, you're brought into the world, you're a little baby wrapped in swaddled in a blanket, gentle, innocent, vulnerable. And that's when the damage begins. Perverted course starts. Yep. It's a... Fascinates me, people's lives. I love it. There, but for the grace of Trevor Barker, go I. So, Lawrence, we're introducing to Saturday Afternoon Fever to our increasingly large audience of uh, nostalgic fans uh, the concept of a speak pipe 
I didn't know what a speak pipe was. Did you? Well, uh, there's a, there's a lot of pipes that I do know about. I know uh, about the peace pipe, as that I saw first on, uh, on F Troop, um, <laughs> when the members of F Troop, uh, Agarn and uh, Captain uh, Parmenter, would go out and uh, contact the local First Nations people, and they would go into the TP and smoke the. The peace pipe, that's where I first came into a peace pipe. Uh, I know what an aggie pipe is because we work for Bayswater Drains, laid, laid a lot of aggie pipe. What's an aggie uh, pipe? An aggie pipe is a short for agricultural pipe. And it's uh, sometimes it, it was originally a half pipe, but it's basically black tube with holes in it. And so you would lay it, say, if you're building on a hill, uh, all the way from the house down to the boundary. So when it rains on that hill, the water is absorbed through to the pipe and then becomes storm water. So that's what I understand to be Aggie pipe. Oh, no, you just reminded me of uh, when I was digging stormwater trenches in my youth as one of my first ever jobs. It didn't last too long. I did a fake hamstring. I didn't last very long because I wasn't strong enough and fast enough. And the other guys that worked for Bayswater Drainage were like, you are need to go into show business because this is not for you. <laughs> well, so, so, no, I've never heard about a speak pipe. Okay, what is well, a, a speak, speak to me. A speak pipe, Lawrence, which we're going to introduce to Saturday Afternoon mm-hmm. Fever yep. and to let our listeners loose upon, is uh, effectively it's supposed to be new technology, but to me, the way it's explained, it's a bit like a, an old-fashioned answering machine. So you ring up oh, right. and you've got a couple of minutes to tell your anecdote and then you hang up and then we choose to listen to it or not in our leisure time. So that's what we're going to ask the people to do. And you go to our Facebook page. We've got a Saturday Afternoon Fever Facebook page, Lawrence. That is sensational. We are up and about. Yeah, I mean, Facebook's probably about six different versions of uh, online communication too late. But, you know, for people of our age in particular, I suppose it's Uh, still the go-to, right? But on Facebook, on our Saturday Afternoon Facebook page, Saturday Afternoon Fever Facebook page, you'll find uh, the easy click-on button that uh, lets you leave a answer machine message, basically. And, And if you're lucky... Wow, I don't know how they're going to sleep at night in the meantime while they wait to see if they're the chosen ones. We will play some of the best of the messages. And one example I got via a direct message on, I think, Instagram, Lawrence, because I'm down with the kids, was uh, a bloke contacted me to say that uh, the great Vinnie Cotoggio, back when footballers used to have day jobs, delivered a peach-coloured pleather couch to their newly built <laughs> rumpus room. <laughs> and that that peach-coloured pleather couch still exists in a wrecked form in their mother's house. I bet the uh, pleathery bit has peeled off and there's a mesh underneath it Ugh. exposing a yellow cushion. So do we need to leave a message on our speak pipe? No. People just uh, click record from their phone or their desktop or their laptop or their tablet, whatever mm-hmm. other devices, your Apple Watch, what have you, and talk and then stop talking and then hopefully it's interesting enough to us uh, for us to put on the on the podcast. Well, this may not uh, sound like the greatest invitation in the world, but uh, do what you need to do and go and speak into our pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew, some very exciting news this week, and that is your book, Saturday Afternoon Fever, which was the seed of this podcast, is being republished by Penguin and is available on Booktopia. Uh, For those of you who are into buying books, you'll know Booktopia. It's a wonderful site that gives you the best possible value for a book. It's selling for around about 20 bucks, and we want to take it to number one on the New York bestseller list and every other bestseller list right throughout the world. Saturday Afternoon Fever, how does it feel, Matt, coming out in its third edition? 
Well, I got three words. Jezelenko, your beauty. Who's he play for? It fe- <laughs> Carlton. It feels fantastic, Lawrence, because, you know, it's my pet project. It's my childhood and my youth, and it's uh, a never-ending, everlasting story, apparently, that keeps on getting new lives, and this is the latest one, and I'm wrapped. You know, anyone uh, to be an author considers themselves, you know, honoured, and uh, I'm no different. So, please, it's already become a top seller on the Booktopia website, Within 48 hours of being re-released, uh, it's called a limited edition. So if you want to get a copy, and I know heaps of people have been contacting me on my social media saying, where can I get one? Beforehand, you couldn't. Now you can. So go for it. A lot of people have come to this podcast uh, through the book, having read the book already, because they're Saints fans, they're fans of Matthew Hardy, or just football fans in general. A lot of people have just picked up on this podcast. Well, now you can complete the cycle. It is worth reading the book, and it is a pretty easy read. You'll knock it over in a couple of nights. Get it, enjoy it, because um, maybe this hasn't been the best way to hear a book across a whole lot of different episodes. So get the book, and then you've got the series. And uh, one day, once the lockdown's over, we'll have a book launch and we'll both be there to sign it. Can I sign your book too? <laughs> please do. Please do sign it. You've, you've helped it get a new lease of life and maybe we could do a live show. Live on stage, Saturday afternoon fever, or at least... Or, are you I'd up love for that, to Lawrence? do that. Absolutely, the Saturday afternoon fever tour. By the time we finish uh, lockdown, but we were able to do a national tour uh, of Australia and we look forward to meeting you all. Make sure you've got your copies. In the meantime, yes. Get that book. Go for it. Thank you, Lawrence Mooney. Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you.